Today on the TechBytes podcast, we're talking with Nokia about 800 gig Ethernet. And in this sponsored show, it's going to support the fact that I've said many times across multiple podcasts on the Packet Bushes Network that high-speed Ethernet in 2023 is almost like magic. When you're talking about 800 gig Ethernet, you're talking something like nanoseconds for an Ethernet frame to arrive on the interface and the next one to arrive. There's just some amazing science going on at this level of the technology stack. And Nokia very generously said, why don't we talk about that a little bit and then how that impacts people and how some of Nokia's products address the challenges and and take advantage of the advances in 800 gig Ethernet to make your life better. Joining me today is Igor Giangrossi. He is a Senior Director of Consulting Engineering yeah, Nokia actually focuses on the web scale segment, which is that weird group of people, which is that's fine for web scale, but not necessarily for others, which is where 800 gig is going to be. So Igor, let's start off with the first question. 800 gig routing is already deployed and demand is growing for it. Why are people going to 800 gig? What's the driver for them to get into it so quickly? Sure. And uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. Glad to be here. Um so I think there are three main reasons why people want to look or are looking at 800 gig. Um, and these are, in a nutshell, bandwidth growth, power consumption, and space. Um, if we go through all of these, uh, in terms of bandwidth growth, you can pick your own prediction. Uh, there's mm-hmm. many out there. Uh, but roughly, we say that bandwidth grows about 30% year over year. Let me let me just question that. So what we've seen this year particularly is the, the emergence of AI. Now, that's more of a subset of high-speed networking. It's not really that AI is going to drive 800 gig, or is that not true or only partially true? So AI is a little bit of a different case because mm. it typically gets um, uh, deployed inside a data center, and mm. uh, you typically put a cluster of uh, very high-speed compute nodes. These compute nodes, most of the time, mm. Uh, use 200 gig uh, network interface cards, and then you build a big cluster where uh, these uh, algorithms, these learning algorithms uh, run. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they definitely can uh, and are um, uh, taking advantage of higher speed uh, interconnection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also see a lot of that demand in the internet backbone itself. So we're right. seeing demand from uh, service providers, just uh, normal CSPs. We're seeing um, very good demand from um, internet exchange. So we actually have a few internet exchanges uh, that have already deployed uh, 800 gig with us. Um, I can mention a few of them. So mm-hmm. DKX is one of them. Um, NLIX is another one. And uh, all of those uh, IXs, they are going to 800 gig because of those three uh, points that I mentioned earlier, which are bandwidth growth, uh, space savings, and also power consumption, which is becoming more and more a bottleneck as we grow the density of these platforms. Um, so not only power consumption for the uh, boxes themselves, but actually for the pluggables uh, that goes uh, in, into those boxes. All right, we're going to drill into all those topics because I've made some notes here. But I, the interesting thing for me is you're actually saying that we're actually seeing live deployments today of people moving from 100 gig to 200 gig, to 400 gig, and now to 800 gig in the WAN. And that is literally saying that if there's existing fiber in the ground, they can just clock more onto it? Is that how it's working? Or is it um, some other some other aspect I don't understand? No, yes, absolutely. So uh, you can uh, reuse uh, the same fibers that you were using before for either 100 gig and uh, 400 gigs to go to 800 gig. Mm. 
And uh, the savings come not only using less fibers for more bandwidth, uh, but also, as I mentioned, uh, some of the 800 gigi pluggables give us uh, power savings in terms of, uh, well, from 30 to 40% uh, compared to either uh, eight by 100 or two by 400. So and uh, let, me, let me just let me just check this. You're not saying that 800 gig uses less power than 100 gig. You're saying 800 gig uses less power than eight by 100 gigs. Yes, from a pluggable perspective, yes. Yeah, uh, right. So the yeah. relative power consumption will certainly go down. Yeah. You, you're not only you avoiding multiple SFPs, each one drawing, you know, nearly 100 watts per SFP, if I remember rightly, something in that order at that speed. You're saying instead of running, you know, and you're also probably taking into account that one 800 gig port on a line card, you know, is a lot, takes up a lot less space, much greater density than it does for eight 100 gig ports as well, because you're only going to get you know, six 800 gig ports out of a 48 port 100 gig blade, whereas you're going to get, you know, or whatever the math might be. I think most of the 100 gigs are 32 ports per blade. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, certainly. So uh, a lot of the, the Radix in line cards today is 36 ports. So you you had 36 by 100, uh, mm. you had 36 by 400, and now you're mm. going to 36 by 800. Mm. Uh, so you're packing a lot more bandwidth into the same space. So that comes uh, with density uh, advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, but from a pluggable perspective, uh, some of the pluggables out there might go maybe 25 watts, uh, maybe 30 watts. Uh, we're not talking about long range pluggables that mm -hmm. might consume, uh, you know, uh, even a little bit more. Uh, but when you look at uh, 800 gig pluggables, we're actually talking about uh, 15 to 18 watt each pluggable. Uh, mm -hmm. which is, is a big saving in terms of power consumption. If you put 36 of those in a line card and let's say your chassis has eight slots, you get a lot of, a lot of power savings just from going to uh, from, from 400 to 800. Right? right. And I mean, I'm just sitting here doing the numbers on, like if you're looking at 30% growth in bandwidth consumption per year, the first year it goes from 400 gig to 520. The next year it goes to 670. And you're going to be at 100 gig within what three, maybe four years. So, if bandwidth keeps growing, you're going to need to clock up that that backbone bandwidth. Right, exactly. And and the big advantage here is that you don't need to buy uh, and deploy 800 gig right away. So these mm. platforms support 100 gig, support 400 gig. So you can make sure that when you're investing in a platform today, it makes sense to go with 800 gigs because that's what's going to give you the longest. Uh, longevity in your network, and you don't need to do any upgrades uh, right. when the so moment So this is comes where the IXPs are looking at it. They're saying, I can put this 800 gig technology in today, use 100 gig, and be ready for 400 gig, ready for 800 gig. Exactly. Right. So that's a useful thing. But you're also saying it's you're getting energy savings. Again, you're saying at this higher bandwidth, when you're using the full capacity, you're burning less power, you're burning the same power per port, but it's eight times faster than 100 gig or two times faster than 400 gig. Right. Uh, and, and the power saving comes from a number of factors. So mm -hmm. I think we we talked a lot about the, the pluggables, but there's also uh, power savings in terms of uh, the density of the components that mm -hmm. go into the chipsets. Uh, there's savings from a system level uh, design that, that it becomes very, very important when you go to 800 gig. And an example of that is in the latest uh, product that we announced, the FP5 chipset mm. goes into the 7750 SRS uh, family of routers. Mm. Uh, just by upgrading that, we were able to deliver three times the capacity using the same, same power envelope, same fence, 
uh, and that yields a 75% savings in terms of relative power consumption. That's really significant because remember, it's not only the heating, but it's also the cooling. So whatever power your device generates, you then have to cool it. So there's two two angles to power consumption. One is the amount of power yeah. you require to drive something. And even then, to power when you talk about power consumption in a chassis, you've then got to cool the chassis. So you need a certain amount of airflow. But after that, there's a second phase of cooling where the whole data center needs to cool. So with the price of electricity and energy more widely getting up and as this you know, we use more, there's less and less power available on the grid. The whole power thing's become a big problem for telcos or a much more significant problem than it ever has been for telcos and web scalers than it was before. It, it is, I would, I would even go to say that it is probably one of the biggest uh, challenges we have today yeah. is to fit what customers need in terms of the power envelopes that uh, they have to work with. Because it, it doesn't matter if, we come up with a beautiful box or a great solution, but uh, you don't have the, enough power in the customers to to make it run. Mm-hmm. And as you said, power and cooling go hand in hand. So yeah. that's very important. Um, obviously, on, on a pizza box, it's uh, a little bit easier for you to do cooling because you, you have a very small um, a small environment, and you know, you 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 take your um, your cooling from an airflow perspective that is, is a little bit easier to handle. But when you go to bigger chassis, especially if you want your chassis like we did to go from 400 gigs to 800 gig without requiring a full upgrade in terms of fans or power, uh, you need to make sure you have an architecture that allows you to cool that properly. Especially if you're using those new chipsets that are way denser. And if you're putting more transistors in that same chipset, they're going to uh, uh, be hotter, right? They're going to run warmer. Yeah. Uh, and the board itself, the, the design of the 800 gigi uh, becomes very important in terms of not only cooling those chipsets, but also cooling those optics, right? Now, I wanted to ask this question, Igor, because there was a comment of what you just said there, which is um, the FP5 is a new silicon. To try and fit inside of that power envelope, which you've just said it's so important to the customers and to fit inside of the chassis of the box. Did we lose anything in that translation? Did you drop anything out to make it fit or is it just gooder and better? No, we didn't lose anything. So mm. we kept the same design principles that we always had in FP. Mm. And those are essentially a fully programmable data path where you can implement features that uh, don't even exist today. So an example of that that we always mention is Segment routing, segment routing v6. So you don't need to put another yeah. uh, pipeline that is capable of implementing those features. Mm-hmm. It is fully buffered. You can throw uh, traffic uh, and uh, at all uh, interfaces at the same time, and and it will be fully buffered. So it's fully uh, it line right. Any so you can run it up to 100% on every port, and it'll still fully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, you also have the fact that. Uh, uh, we maintained full compatibility in terms of features from FP4, um, meaning that if you already run an FP4-based network today and you have all your features when you introduce FP5, you don't lose any features. You actually carry them over yeah, uh, from yeah. day one. Okay, so, so, so I didn't lose good. anything. I've still got all the buffering and the packet programmability that I've had before. It's just a fully right. new advance. On, it's an iteration of the FP4 with a whole bunch of new technology in there. Because as you shrink the die size and the die fork, um, you know, shrink to the the new form factors, it's just the ability to redesign and advance is significant. I wanted to ask right. about 100 gig CERTES. Now, one of the things that you raised when and, and I looked at on the FP5 is that you're using 100 gig CERTES. Can you explain 
why that is significant, why that's such a fundamental enabler. Sure. And for those of you that uh, don't know exactly what the term 100 gig surges or even surges mean, uh, those are the internal inter, um, and internal interconnects uh, inside a chassis uh, between all the different components. So th- those are very, you know, a lot of lanes that uh, interconnect all, mm-hmm. all of those components, and there are different generations uh, of speeds to interconnect those components. The one we use with 800 gig is 100 gig surges. Uh, to be more specific, we use 112 gig surges. That's the the rate that we use. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what that means is that as we move forward in terms of speeds, it becomes more and more difficult uh, and more uh, critical to maintain signal integrity, meaning that the traces in the circuit boards need to be shorter. Uh, We need to take care of spurious uh, emissions and Mm -hmm. and all of those uh, electromagnetic uh, issues. And that brings a whole nother level of complexity when designing, for instance, a PCB. All the routing becomes a lot more complex. Uh, and uh, a lot of- uh, In this case, when you say routing, you mean routing of the traces on the PCB. Routing of the traces. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So Because they actually act you, like antennas at these frequencies in the traces right. on the motherboard. And so then you have to run another trace near it, which is a ground to try and draw the signal out, right? For example. Yeah, the, the, there are many uh, novel techniques that we had to put in place for enabling 100 gig surges. And uh, one of the things that we see is that um, a lot of different solutions out there when doing 100 gig surges try to tackle the signal integ- integrity problem with uh, a component called the retimer, which is essentially a um, a repeater. Mm-hmm. So that means that once you add that repeater, you... Um, you make the signal good again, and it can go a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- that also brings some challenges because you're putting more components into the board, so that those components bring cost, those components uh, consume power, and those components can also affect the MTBF of the box. So, for instance, uh, in our design philosophy with FP5, we are completely retimerless, so yeah. we don't use any retimers, and that's one of the parts of the many parts that help us. Uh, achieve a very efficient power consumption. You know what I chassis. like about that is that's your problem and not mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because yeah, so many sure. of the times <laughs> that sort of a problem would end up being my problem. I would have to put the box in a special cage, or the chassis becomes a it becomes a double double sized card to try and put some RF around it, or it needs extra cooling. And yet now we're down to the point where you're putting the design effort in. Um, the other thing about 100 gig, 800 gig uh, SFPs is they're not painfully expensive because you're bringing 100 gig surges out to the SFP modules. They're not actually doing too much mystical magic to try and encode that signal as well. That's right, isn't it? Right, right. And uh, a lot of these uh, innovations, uh, I always say that we we took that problems to ourselves so that our customers don't need to worry about them, right? Mm. Uh, and SFP 112 uh, is uh, indeed a, a very nice uh, capacity or capability that you could uh, that you could use in those chassis because now since your signaling is already mm. 100 gig uh, and if you use a single lambda in your optics uh, you that it means that it's much simpler to implement that conversion from electrical to optical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means, uh, you know, those optics are going to be cheaper, but they also are going to consume a lot less power. So just as an example, uh, some of these um, SFP120 pluggables that uh, do 100 gig, they are 
consuming uh, roughly less than three and a half watts per mm. uh, SFP. So it's it, you get a lot of power savings from that new technology. Right. Now, just one thing I want to cover here is when we talked about a lot of these line cards and switches, they're all in the Nokia 7750 family, 7750 router family. And so if you want to go and find out the specs and the details, we'll have some links in the show notes to the 7750 service router. So if you want to poke and prod, you know, what sort of this sort of router looks like that can handle this sort of stuff, you can just go and look that up. Um, Jumping back into where we were, I just... The thing that surprised me was that if I wanted to run 800 gig, usually what happens is at the very earliest implementation, we pay way over the price for these. But really, they are just normal pricing, like eight times 100 gig SFPs. And then I've got one 800 gig port. That's a, That was the point I was really trying to make. It's really different. Yeah, absolutely. So it... it we cannot bring to market a system that is completely outside of a market price, right? Mm. So there's there's an expected market price. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, there's also some value that we add here, uh, and we believe we have a very good uh, proposition from that perspective. And uh, all of the customers um, that uh, are working with us today, just from the density perspective, the increased density and the power savings, uh, the TCO becomes very compelling when you go to 800 gig. What about, and this is going to be a, sound like a crazy question, when we've just gone 100, 200, 400, 800, what about 1.6? Because the next step after 800 gig is 1.6 terabits, right? Are we ready for that? Right. Yeah. So we at Nokia, we are ready for that. In fact, we already have the chipset today in FP5 completely capable of doing 1.6 tera. Mm. Uh, the, the way the industry works is there. There is a uh, an MSA, an agreement uh, that gets developed. So mm. that MSA is still not finalized, but when it it, it does, uh, we will be ready to support that right away. I think that's crazy. We're already at yeah. serious, like we're seriously at 1.6 terabits per second. That just blows my mind. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Thanks very much to Nokia for sponsoring today's show. Thanks very much to Igor Giangrossi for joining us and to talk about one of the weirdest things I think that we've actually got going in networking, which is just how do you signal 800 gigabits per second on a wire and some of the things that you need to think about. And thanks very much to Nokia for sponsoring today's show. And we talked about before how this is all in the Nokia 7750 service router. There is an entire page on 800 giggy routing on the Nokia website. And you can get there by going to nokia.ly 800 GE dash routing. That's nokia.ly slash 800 GE dash routing. And that page will then take you to um, where you want to be to get that information. Or you can check the show notes on the Packet Pushers website. As always, there's lots of information there. There's a bunch of links uh, to the Nokia FP5 network processor, sort of explaining how an ASIC and what features are in that ASIC inside of the box and what web scale networking looks like at 100 at 800 gigabits per second, if you can believe that or not. Now, as always, don't forget to follow us on the internet. You can hit us up on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Tell your friends about us. It's so helpful to us if you could do that. Uh, and as always, remember that too much networking would never be enough. <laughs>